Welcome to Old Dog New Tricks. Everyone has heard this saying before, but today we are going to put that theory to the test. My co-host John and I are going to be talking about inflation and how it is affecting your wallet. We will start with an overview about what inflation is and its effect, then discuss how I think cryptocurrency can help. I'm going to let John take it away since he's been through more inflation than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the older older crew is going to have had, have had more experience with the inflation uh, by definition, more time on the planet for sure. That's right. But uh, it's a timely topic as we sit here in July of uh, 2022 because we yep. do have a high rate of inflation that's being cast upon us now. And sure. um, in the simplest uh, terms, and economists have varying definitions of inflation and the causal factors, but I think most would agree that in simple terms, you have inflation occur when you have um, more and more dollars entering a system uh, at a greater pace than the goods and services floating around in the system, which are used, which are the purchase targets. And the more that process continues, the more each dollar gets less valued. And the way that can happen, there's uh, several potential causes. Um, one is that when you have a lot of uh, government borrowing, when we lend money to ourselves through a, a government uh, edict and more dollars are injected into the system, um, that tends to be, if it's overdone, uh, inflationary. And as you and I sit here today, we're at around... Mm, I'd roughly guess 25 trillion in public debt. And I'm gonna, growing. I actually just looked this up. It's actually 30.5 trillion today. Well, that's because you just looked it up, and I, I looked it up <laughs> earlier this morning. <laughs> so, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. So that's one factor, right? Excessive government <laughs> borrowing. Another factor is we have a centralized banking system and we have the Federal Reserve Board and we have the Fed that can, through its decision regarding a discount rate or a bank rate, the rate at which they lend to commercial banks, control the interest rate or the cost of money. Exactly. And so uh, there's some who would argue that that's been kept artificially low for choose your time period, three years, five years, a, dec a decade, <laughs> yeah, since, a decade. 2000, yeah. since 2008, 2008. You know? mm -hmm. and uh, that tends to be inflationary uh, over time. Over time. Um, right. Um, and so one could argue that the interest rate has been artificially low for some period of time in conjunction with excessive government borrowing um, that gives rise to an inflationary effect. Um, and those are probably more significant factors than, uh, as far as long-term explanations, than what we could have contributors, the contributors that we have most recently, like COVID and yeah. the uh, conflict in, in the Ukraine. Um, and so... Yeah, we uh, kind of built like a, a foundational level, and then we had things that actually needed a little bit of increased money due to loss of jobs and like global crisis um so we already ha we're on on built on top of sifting sand to begin with 
Correct. And it's so uh, easy, mechanically, if you will, to add money to the system. Yeah. You know, a, a, Global uh, four, or f- four or five <laughs> decades ago, well, four or five decades ago, you actually had to print the stuff, right? And put it yeah. into the system, maybe a little longer than that. Now it's digital. It's literally, you know, uh, Mr. Powell walks over and pushes a button. Now that's an exaggeration, yeah. you know, yeah. but that's how it works. And you got more yeah, money in the system. Um, and another part of the, the topic of inflation that I think is worth mentioning is that there are economists who argue that some inflation in the system is good. 1%, 2%, somewhere in that neighborhood is, is good. And their basis for their Manageable. argument... Right. The, the basis for their argument is that we have a consumer-based economy and that motivates consumers to continue to spend because, hey, I want to buy something. Maybe I should go ahead and buy it because six months from now, it might be a little bit more expensive, expensive. if you always have some inflation in the system. Um, and so there are economists who make that argument. But the point is, is that, that they could argue about whether it's 1%, a half a percent, 2% or whatever, but it's probably not 7, 8, 10 or 15%. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, yeah, and according to last uh, June's printouts, we were roughly around eight point six percent, which is that's highest right. it's ever been since roughly eighties, uh, and before that nineteen thirties, which everyone knows as the Great Depression. So, yeah. um, we are hitting peaks of inflation that haven't been seen for a few decades, um, and I know that you you know, live through those, you know, what were you seeing around then? How, like housing, uh, interest rates, stuff like that. I know my parents always talk about how they, they, their mortgage on their house was 15% or something crazy. Yeah. So that was in the, during the Carter administration in the middle seventies. And I was a college mm-hmm. student. Uh, we had an, an inflation rate. I want to say like in 13, 14, 15% or something for yeah, a, very a, high. a little while. Yeah. And the, I was kind of a busy student at the time, but I didn't have any money or wealth. So it was, <laughs> you know, a little bit less material. It doesn't matter. Personally. Yeah. But, but, but my parents were, as you can imagine, yeah real interested uh, in it because they essentially, essentially, they could see themselves getting poorer month over month. And that's how it feels if you're, you know, kind of an average middle income uh, person. That's how it's feeling right now when you have um, people going and, and filling their tanks up that used to be, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks. And gee, I filled up my tank, it was over $100. What am I going to do? I got to cut, uh, cut some things in some other places. Right. Yes. So sure. uh, it really hits home. And so, uh, yeah, we had that during the Carter administration and it was uh, um, it's frightening and uh, it causes um, mistrust uh, yes. in the in the system, um, you know, to, to digress just for a moment, probably the the. Uh, a real good example of that is what happened in Argentina in the early 90s. Essentially, the, the government went bankrupt and they had inflation rates that were not even close to sustainable. And some would argue they still haven't recovered from that. So, exactly. um, yeah. It's definitely a, a burden to the, you know, and again, I think it's more of an issue with the middle class. You know, we've seen the middle class kind of die away as uh, over the past couple decades we see a a greater disparity between the two upper class lower classes 
Um, and, and inflation really mostly hurts lower classes, I would say, the hardest, right? So, I, I'd agree with you. you know, a good example would if you own residential real estate in certain areas of Florida right now and yeah. you're a landlord and with tenants, you're, you're given the opportunity to raise rental rates uh, quite significantly. So at the end yeah. of the year, you're, you're doing better. You, now, you're still having to pay the prices that everybody else pays for goods and services, right? Um, yes. But real estate... But you have a little bit of a cushion because you're able to, you know, you own these assets. These are um, something that is generally not going to go away. You know, people still need a place to live. People still need a place, you know, food. People still need these things. Um, and those are the ones that get affected the most. Right, right. Um, and uh, inflation has been with us for a, a long time. It's with us, to, I think it's uh, here to stay. And... Um, Part of what I think is important to think about in the context of, of cryptocurrency, or at least as an older guy, it, it kind of interests me, is yeah. that um, <laughs> our, our currency, our government currency, or as you crypto folks call it, fiat currency, um, is not a, just a medium of exchange. It's also a political tool and yes. can be a political weapon. If you think about how governments have power and how politicians have power, they have power as a function of their ability to control rulemaking, lawmaking, mm -hmm. and they have power as a function of their ability to have access to the public purse, that combination exactly. of those two dynamics. Um, and so uh, one of the reasons that crypto interested me as a concept was, hmm, I wonder if that's a currency, it's been recently designed, recently being, you know, in the last uh, decade, that should take into consideration inflation and perhaps be designed in a way that's not as subject to inflation as conventional fiat currency um, could be. And also uh, designed in a way, maybe this is reaching, so that it over time was less of a political tool and political weapon than fiat currency is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the largest values of crypto and blockchain systems in general and how they're being used currently is the fact that Bitcoin was directly developed. You know, the first Bitcoin block is talking about how they bailed out banks um, in, in 2008. So it's referencing, you know, the the kind of the, the start of a lot of these issues, how we kind of just started about... Uh, we've been artificially kind of inflating a lot of our our money monetary supply tremendously since uh, that time, you know, and that yes. was kind of the first really increase in our on our spent and our spending and production of money, right? So if we go back before that, we had even just in the last couple of years through through COVID, we've we've printed over forty five percent of the supply again, so of, of the entirety of our currency. Um, so a very large increase in a shorter amount of time, given that, you know, we've, you know, our currency has been around for a very long time. And one of the things that really, you know, got me into crypto, uh, yeah, I was more here for the start of it just because I'm a computer nerd and I was very interested in it. But again, I, I do, I do, you know, see more of the, that benefit of what they refer to as a deflationary currency instead of an inflationary currency. Um, so one kind of topic that we can we can kind of cover is just a very basic topic of how Bitcoin works um, and how it, over time that it kind of 
it kind of levels that playing field on a global scale if people choose to participate. Um, we are now in that infancy of cryptocurrencies, I would say. You know, it's only been around since 2009, but it hasn't gotten a lot of, uh, of chance to prove in itself as much as, you know, on the global scale of a currency. Um, and it's only ever existed in a, a place where these rates have been artificially inflated, right? So we've only known a, you know, more so we haven't really, Bitcoin's ever gone through a recession or a depression, really. Yes. So this is the first kind of test of Bitcoin. And is it function um, going to be that of a hedge against government spending? Or will it trade just how tech stocks and what has been done recently? It, it's been, you know, over time, we've seen it hit 69,000. Now it's all the way back down to 20. You know, it's, it, it's pretty much mirrored the stock market uh, and most exchanges of tech stocks and stuff like that. So it's it's more priced currently as a tech stock. But I would say as more and more individuals are looking to kind of protect themselves from runaway spending, they usually look for property, gold. Those are the two, you know, hedges, I would say, since the start of our currencies, I would say, right? Um, yeah. So this is now the third, the third entrant into the battle. So can crypto become more of a hedge, or is it doomed to kind of follow in the footsteps of it's just another stock and, and it's not able to protect itself? And I think that is a great question to pose, because you know why? Why else would you invest in cryptocurrency if it doesn't actually protect you from what it, everyone says it does, right? And I would say. Yes, on a very short term, that's the problem. We, we've seen it you know, crash substantially past few months uh, since November. But on the longer scale, know, zooming out a little bit, the next event where Bitcoin is continued to be deflationary is 2024. Um, so I can kind of go into what that means. And uh, so the entirety of Bitcoin, there will only be 21 million Bitcoins produced. Okay, so the every four years, roughly, um, the the what they call a halving event occurs. So the amount of reward for those people that we talked about in the last episode, the miners that are producing all the uh, transactions, they're all, they're they're making sure they're all correct and putting them in order. Those people, every time they solve a block, get rewarded for their time and effort, and that is what they call a block reward. Right. So the next one will happen in 2024 and that reward will get again cut in half. Each <clears throat> four year period, we've seen it kind of drop. So the first initial Brock reward was 50 Bitcoins. Then it went to 25, then 12.5, 6.25, you know, and it keeps going down in that mechanism. So over time, while the price is crazy fluctuating very high volatility the theory is is that it will even itself out as the drop every four years is not as steep as the last one you know yes. you get less <clears throat> and less you know um what you're you're saying is uh so important because it's differentiating crypto from tech stocks Yes. 
And this is, I think, within our group, the older uh, portion of the population uh, can be a misunderstanding. It's For set sure. up to be a misunderstanding. Why mm-hmm. is it set up to be a misunderstanding? One is right now, uh, generally speaking, crypto seems to, its movement, pricing movement, seems to be yes. kind of highly correlated with the price movement of tech stocks. It's mm-hmm. also seen as the new thing, the modern yeah. thing. It's also intensely, if not totally, mathematical. And that's kind of geeky and puts it in the tech stock group. Yeah. It just um, makes it extremely difficult to understand, too. Like, it's, it's not, <clears throat> it's something that people don't, you know, if you actually spend a good 20 hours researching, you know, what all of this is about. Um, you, you paint a, a, a much different picture than what a text company would do. You know, these aren't going out of business. These aren't, right. Um, That's right. <clears throat> these aren't going bankrupt. These are, these aren't, uh, these aren't companies. These are a new form, a new invention, right? Just how <clears throat> the printing press didn't go out of business. The internet didn't go out of business, right? So these are, are things that are, are, are replacing our current tech. Right. And, you know, the financial services industry, um, Austin, isn't uh, really helping people to understand oh, right now much <laughs> either, because now you can, rather than going to the trouble of researching an individual crypto and figuring out what platform you can purchase it on and figure out all those d- dynamics to ac- actually uh, uh, own it. Um, yes. We have the financial service industry saying, don't be bothered with all that. It's really complicated. Just buy this ETF because we've done yeah. it all for you. We've, we've already done and, all the research, but we charge you a nice pretty penny to uh, make sure that we're making the right moves. That's right. But that, that behavior also is misleading because now I'm thinking, okay, they're putting crypto in ETFs. That to me is... You put securities in ETFs, so it must really be like a security. security. And so I'm yeah. buying a, the, kind of like the newest, latest, and greatest security, where that's not really quite mm-hmm. right at all. Exactly, um, yeah. So what you're, I think you're, you're. It act, uh, I think personally, the ETFs, um, are, I think, are a, a huge disservice to the crypto industry, um, and I know it's one of the largest. I would say, like that category of stocks and stuff like that is pushed very highly like the grayscale um, ETF there hasn't been any passage of a spot ETF um, in the US that's been passed in you know probably about five or six other countries Canada Australia um, and a couple others and I do think that is a little bit better but still you you're you, it's missing the entire purpose of of Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies in general because you don't own the underlying asset itself. Same the way that you know people buying paper gold to trade the price of it. You're just trading the price. You don't you don't actually expect to take that gold and use it as you know a medium of exchange in the future. Right. You're just you know you think it'll appreciate over time, and yay, great, I made money. But guess what? You made U.S. dollars. You didn't make more you know gold. Right. right. You didn't produce more gold, which is what. The, the value of crypto is, yay, I didn't, I made all these paper gains through this ETF, but guess what? I don't actually own underlying asset when the time comes that there could be a problem. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, when the rapid inflation that we've been experiencing, I mean, everyone knows, I mean, just in general, like the ga- gas prices, they've practically doubled since uh, <clears throat> 2020. Um, food's up a minimum of around 10%. You know, so the things that, and housing is, you know, everyone's everyone's seen the housing market lately, you know, it's it's astronomical. So um, when the, the true needed goods over time, but if you price the housing, you price the gas, and you price food in Bitcoins, guess what? It's pretty close to stable if not we we are our purchasing power is up. And you can see that with the entirety of Bitcoin. If you price the goods and services that you want to purchase with Bitcoin, they you know, you generally are in the positive direction. You you have more purchasing power over time if you started, you know, within mm-hmm. the last couple of years. That's very <clears throat> That's very interesting and, and really important to, to know. And I have a mm, somewhat related uh, question I'd like to ask, and we could save it for later, for sure. but just I'll take your lead on that. Is So um, I understand that Bitcoin is distinguishable from, say, Ethereum yes. um, with regard to what it is. Bitcoin is designed solely as a medium of exchange, Yep, whereas Ethereum, right? Whereas Ethereum, we have the blockchain technology, mm-hmm. and an Ethereum coin is essentially a, a an ownership interest, if you will, in that blockchain technology. Yeah. Now, I would say, yeah. as a very basic level, I would say a Bitcoin is more like a gold, like a store of value, something that you you think will retain value over time where Ethereum is more of like an oil where it's almost meant to be spent. You meant to be used. It, it produces the energy needed to uh, create things. Okay. So let me ask you then, um, Does whereas Bitcoin has given thought to and designed to being anti-inflationary, yes. ha- has or will Ethereum and other similar coins take the same direction, take that cue. Can you just talk uh, about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So we talked a little bit about how Bitcoin has the halving events where it's mathematically set to whenever it reaches a certain time frame that it will reduce the block rewards. And it's set up to no one can change it or function um, and you know unless it unless it has a hard fork which is a little bit more complicated turn but just know that it, the whole point of it is to remain on this mathematical agenda uh, for the next couple hundred years like there is no no plan of change right so I see. Um, ethereum is more along the lines of I would say it's more of along the lines of upgradable and changing Right. So there's a lot of not to say that Bitcoin code and stuff like that doesn't get upgraded. It, they're, they're always upgrading both of these systems, but the underlying core values are, are remaining the same. And I would say Ethereum has chosen more of the route of a constant increase of inflation instead of a deflationary um, aspect. And to be a, it's a little bit more complicated, obviously, uh, because there's a lot of moving parts with Ethereum. Um, there's a, they're, they're switching with the consensus algorithms to the proof of stake system coming up. And again, these are all a little bit more complicated terms. Um, but just know that the, the whole intention of it is is more of a 
it's made to be to be spent in a way. It's it's the underlying way to have companies build new applications, just similar to how the Apple Store functioned in the beginning, right? So all of these companies saw the App Store uh, for iPhone. They came out and everyone just produced a bunch of different things. And you can see from there how much growth um, from um, technology happened rapidly. Like we, we saw the, you know, no one's going to buy an iPhone. It's, it's, it, you know, you, ha- you already can play music on other devices. You don't need to have it, you know, you hit your flip phone's perfectly fine. But now as you can see, that was one of the largest jumps um, in, you know, everyone has a cell phone. I mean, it's one of the, you know, it's very ubiquitous, even in, and even third world countries have, you know, getting, getting more and more adoption. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the mechanism here is Ethereum, I would say is more like, more like the Apple store, the app store where you, each person can kind of come in as a developer and produce a, a application using Ethereum. Whereas Bitcoin is more of a store of value and, and a one trick pony. It only does one thing and it does it really, really well. Yes. So would it be accurate to say then where you have alternative coins other than Bitcoin or Ethereum, some of those will fall into the category of Bitcoin, purely a store of value. Some of them will fall into the Ethereum group as being more than that. More of like a, yeah, exactly. Right. Are they, there's a lot of uh, competitors for each category for sure. You know, in the, in the realm of just currencies, you know, there's like a Litecoin, Monero, Dash, you know, there's a ton of different ones and they all have just, a, they take a Bitcoin code and tweak it a little bit more. Like Monero is mainly focused on privacy. So with Bitcoin, everyone can see everyone's transactions. But with Monero, it's kind of obfuscated a little bit more. You're not able to track it directly because the way it sends is everyone kind of pools together. Like all block money gets pooled and then sent in different amounts than what mm-hmm. your actually requested amount. So maybe you wanted one Monero. <clears throat> I wanted to send you that one Monero. You would receive maybe three transactions for 0.1, 0.6, and then you know 0.3. I see. Um, now let me let me add different accounts there. Right. I understand. Let me ask this: Would you say is it a fair statement that these other coins are also are or will try to be anti-inflationary by design, or less so? I would say most of them are trying to go for the uh, of the deflationary value. Um, they're trying to have a set amount that will ever be produced. Uh-huh. Um, um, and, and and currently, um, I would say with the induction of Ethereum 2.0, we are going to be more deflationary. We're going from a very large issuance of around 15,000 Ethereum uh, coins a day uh, to when the when proof of stake goes live, it'll be roughly 1,500. So it is a, a very large reduction in supply, uh, free supply that it will be produced daily. I see. Um, but again, it, it, I will still say that the goal of it is not meant to be a store value, but a, a unit of energy exp- expenditure more so, uh-huh, I would say. Uh-huh. I, I think that the, in the most global sense, the question in my mind is whether um, over time, cryptocurrency will come to be regarded 
as a less inflationary mechanism of exchange than fiat currencies. That because I think that would be in in my eyes looking into the future, that might be a good reputation to have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we we've yeah. seen it across the board. Global inflation is insane. You know, America. You know, we're talking about American inflation right now, and we're one of the least offend offenders in by country. So. Wow. You know, we're seeing other countries uh, like Sri Lanka, uh, Venezuela, you know, all um, El Salvador had, you know, the civil war in the 90s. And now it, it had been using USD for a long time. They're the first ones to kind of jump on this bandwagon of, uh, we, you know, we talked about it last time. You know, they're a country that, that wants to kind of be, um, you know, they don't want to be a vassal state of the IMF anymore, right? They want to make their own choices and kind of delegate their own monetary policy, which is generally not able to happen in a lot of countries that use USD as their main source. You know, they, they kind of are kind of pigeonholed into, yeah, here's your allowance. Um, and, uh, you know, this is what you can get. Right. Yes. Um, so, uh, over time, yeah, I definitely think it is a benefit and I, that may be a little bit optimistic because, you know, the ones that hold all the power, are currently, you know, the, let's say like Russia, China, U.S., those you know, Germany are probably the top four GDP countries. I mean, they don't, you know, they don't have control over this at this level, right? They don't have control over Bitcoin. They can't just, hey, we're going to print some more Bitcoins here. Um, they actually have to do work to make those Bitcoins if they want. I mean, they could. They could make up farms and they could, you know, take all, you know, we're talking about the solar energy and all that stuff last time. They could, you know, incentivize more um, reusable energies to create them, but they can't just, hey, let's turn on that switch that we were talking about at the end, the beginning of the show. Yes. Powell can't walk over and press more Bitcoin button, please. So I do think they will definitely come under attack for sure in the, in the future as more and more people kind of do the research to kind of see where we're heading, right? And yes. the worst, you know, the, the more people are backed into a corner, the more likely they are to kind of uh, reevaluate their situation and uh, what may have been a better option, right? Right. Yeah. One of the interesting uh, questions uh, related to this uh, topic is the extent to which government rulemaking will affect crypto Absolutely. because crypto is seen and wants to be seen as independent from government influence, uh, mm -hmm. kind of the antithesis of, of fiat currency, right? Yeah, um, for sure. But, the, but governments will have a great interest in crypto to the extent that it competes with their currency. And I imagine different Absolutely. approaches will they've be already, taken. They've already taken the steps towards that already. You know, we had... Right. Powell, uh, Biden coming forward saying we're going to regulate crypto and with the intent of having a CBDC, which is a central bank dollar currency in a blockchain within the year. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's not too far away. And we've already seen it happen with China. Uh, China produced uh, their BSN, which is a blockchain service network so that they can kind of give the layman a dollar equivalent or you know their their currency's equivalent but it, it is using blockchain so that is 
it's highly surveillanced. It's it, there's you know the, the all the benefits of of cryptocurrencies are kind of gone from the like the actual user, right? From right. The sovereignty, you know, the you know, sovereignless kind of protection against uh, inflation, kind of you know those are kind of out the window. But all of the benefits to them are there of the ability to see all transactions and get all financial data. Uh, kind of stops the the you know tax fraud, a tax evasion type situation. They can kind of track all these things, right? So, yes. you know, with the, with the exception, you know, when the implementation of, of these things coming in the not too distant future, um, it's, it really is a question of it, will there people be loud enough to kind of say like, Hey, I actually would like to use this and kind of understand it. And it's, it's versus here's this, you know, here's the same thing just in a different clothing, right? Right. When they can <clears throat> now, it's even easier to hit the print button. You know, with it, we go on a blockchain system. We don't. We literally don't have to. We get rid of the 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 whole kind of like pseudo central banking versus private banking nonsense, and they can just directly give it to the people, right? Exactly. Um, so you know, there's definitely a lot of uh, questions to kind of come up from this for sure. Yeah, and I, I think that my pop, my group, you know, the the sixty plus group, fifty five plus uh, group, uh, given our uh, time horizon, it may for sure. be it might be that there is a place for uh, crypto in your portfolio if you've seen it as um, part of a hedge against inflation. So you may have real estate interests that are part historically part of yeah. a hedge against inflation. Yeah, your gold. Yes, and crypto. Um, as, as part of overall financial... Uh, just a well-rounded portfolio. You might want to you know, do a little research on it just to see if it is going to be... And again, it's not proven itself as a hedge yet, but that is the... the at a purely mathematical sense that is what it's designed to do yeah. well right i so, mean we're at the level of trying to get people in my group to understand that it's not a tech stock yeah exactly because <laughs> that's what we think oh absolutely <laughs> you know it's it's you know it's every all the young kids are talking about it all it's all over the news of what you know it's the new thing it's the fad <laughs> you know so if if you you know that's the whole point of this this conversation to begin with is we we want to reach the you know the older generation to say hey guys you know you got all the money <laughs> <laughs> oh that's you know, funny the 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 baby boomers you know own 68 percent of all wealth in america right so if we're able to um kind of shift their understanding from you know this is not yeah. a tech company to this is a new you know, this is something to definitely look into. Um, I'll tell you what I, I, I'll tell you what I'm looking at. What I'm looking at is a reduction in the correlation between the price movement of tech stocks and the movement of crypto. When crypto Absolutely. separates and goes its own way, th then that's going to be interesting. A flood, mm -hmm. I think. If that yeah. if it does again we we it hasn't does. been proven uh, haven't hasn't hadn't had its day in the, in the in the sun yet right it's an experiment so we, we will show it's a math it's a mathematical exactly. experiment <laughs> <laughs> and just me being a nerd and math guy 
I usually tend to prefer the math than the uh, the uh, the human interest of greed, and so so we'll see. <laughs> hey, at least it's subjective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the <math> side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't care who gets hurt. It's just going to happen, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I think that's a uh, great place to wrap it up here. Um, so thanks, everyone, for giving us a listen. This is Old Dog New Tricks. Next week, we're going to look into a little bit more of the DeFi and staking side of Ethereum because we haven't really introduced Ethereum yet. All of this intro has been mainly focused on Bitcoin because it is the most heard. It is the most simplistic. So as we get a little bit farther down the rabbit hole, uh, we'll, we'll move into more fun stuff, more my 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 realm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, I, I enjoyed it, Austin, as always. Awesome. So we'll we'll catch you next week for another episode. Thank you. Sounds great. Take care.